Welcome to Hiding Place. Is there a home for a Welcome back to Hiding Place. In this fourth installment, we'll be touching on the pro-life movement and how it relates to social reform of the past. Just to recap, in the second episode, we mentioned that throughout history, human beings have become very good at one thing. And that thing, if you recall, was excluding groups of human beings from the human community. It's quite an unfortunate thing to be good at. But whether it was their race or sex or ability in the past that uh, people have been discriminated because of, in each of those cases, brave men and women have courageously taken action against this injustice and have successfully ended it. Now, when we think about how to end this injustice of abortion, which is against the youngest members of our society, we must look to those who have successfully ended grave injustices of the past. So our movement stems from this very rich lineage of successful social justice reformers. And, and to name a few that I'm gonna be covering in this short episode are William Wilberforce, Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, all of these men and women have shown courage and bravery um, and going against the, and they've gone against the grain of their society, which committed these grave injustices. So William Wilberforce, he was a late 1700s abolitionist who worked tirelessly to end the slave trade. And what was interesting about William Wilberforce is that he was always, always pushing the boundaries of what was appropriate in society, right? People viewed him as this radical, but what he was really doing was waking people up to the reality of the horror of the slave trade. One of his tactics that at the time was viewed as highly questionable, but now we look back and see how, how amazingly it worked, was that he would actually take people on tours through slave ships. He would walk them through the quarters. He would show people how tight the quarters were. He would, he would let them feel how heavy the chains were. And one thing that was particularly um, impactful about this experience that people had was they would smell the death. They would smell the death of the, the slaves who had died uh, so horribly. And so when we as pro-lifers are, are trying to end this injustice, we look back at William Wilberforce and we say, what can we take from what, from what he did, from his methods that worked so effectively? And oftentimes you'll see that in methods similar to, that, to the one that I used in the last episode, right? Describing these very uncomfortable truths about what abortion is, even describing things like the sofa clamp, the teeth that, that pull these limbs off of these children, very it's very uncomfortable for people to sit with that, but ultimately it's this harsh reality and that discomfort that wakes people up to the injustice. Another story that I want to tell is Emmett Till's story. Uh, he's someone who has been, um, him and his mother have been a great inspiration to me in particular, um, and, and you'll, you'll know why in just a moment. Um, but in 1955, he was living in the North. He was living in Chicago with his mother uh, named Mamie. And he took a trip down south to Money, Mississippi to go visit his cousins. Now, Emmett Till's offense has been hotly contested. Uh, but essentially, the, general's, uh, the general story goes like this. Emmett Till went into a grocery store with his cousins. And he handed the, handed the woman at, at the register his money, the coins. And he touched her hand. 
and and what what followed is debated. Some people say that he um, made uh, the, the physical touch in and of itself was what made her upset. Some people say he flirted with her. Some people say he whistled. But regardless of the offense, what followed was horrific. The woman left the store, went home, and told her husband what had happened. And when Emmett Till was sleeping in his bed that night, a man came, the, the woman's husband came, and took him from his bed. He broke into the house and said, come with me. Emmett Till was then abducted, lynched, and then beaten horribly to the point where he was unrecognizable and left in a river. When they found Emmett Till's body, the only thing that was recognizable about him was his father, his late father's ring on his finger. The sheriff of the town wanted to cover, cover this up, didn't want to make a big story about it. He wanted to have the funeral happen as quickly as possible in the town, but when his mother was contacted, she said, bring his body here. So when she went to go see his body, she decided to have an open casket funeral. She said, I need the world to see what they did to my son. I will not let his face be covered up. News began to break about this story, um, and Emmett Till's face ended up on the headlines in the papers that week and, and in weeks to follow. Emmett Till's face ended up having a ripple effect. People, thousands of people, it's estimated between five and 10,000 people made the trip to Chicago to come see his face and what they did to him. Ultimately, Emmett Till's story was what led to the civil rights movement. It sparked the entire movement. In fact, Rosa Parks, who, who refused to give up her seat, um, to a white man on the bus, was quoted saying that she thought about going to the back of the bus, but then she thought about Emmett Till and she couldn't do it. Ultimately, it's these chain reactions of, of men and women in the past who have taken brave actions and have inspired others. So ultimately, people think of Rosa Parks starting the civil rights movement and inspiring Martin Luther King Jr., but before her, there was another little boy whose death inspired the nation. Martin Luther King Jr. says, like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light, injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human conscience and the era of nat national opinion before it can be cured. Now, the work that I do with Protect Life Michigan, we show images of the unborn children who have been brutally killed um, through abortion. And it is not something that is getting us um, many fans amongst the culture. It's something that um, is very controversial. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, just like Emmett Till's face needed to ex be exposed, I believe that the unborn need to be exposed to the natural medicines of air and light. This is the last podcast you guys will listen to before you are actually out on the streets marching. But I think something important to bring up is that this isn't the same situation as Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King Jr. faced when they were marching in the streets, right? They were facing the consequences of potential jail time or physical abuse or, or altercations. And the reality is, while I'm so glad that you guys are here, our situation isn't the same, right? We can comfortably march every single year at the March for Life in a sea of people who agree with us. And while we're still going against the grain of culture, while we're actually at the march, we're not risking much. So I'm going to encourage you guys to march intentionally, to take photos, to do all the things that you normally would do, but to push yourself further. Don't just take photos, maybe post those photos, right? Do something more, do something more bold than just the march. And ultimately, I know as well as you do that that can be a scary thought, right? That can cause a lot of anxiety. So after this podcast is over, 
take a few minutes and just invite God in in prayer. Ask him to give you the courage to respond to the injustice of abortion in a bold way, to, to post that picture, um, or, or to just take that extra step because he will take those fears away and those anxieties away if you ask it of him.